This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is brought to you by Braintree. Even the best mobile app won't work without the right payments API. That's where the Braintree V.0 SDK comes in. One amazingly simple integration gives you every way to pay. But don't take our word for it. Try the sandbox and see for yourself at braintreepayments.com slash walt. Hello and welcome to Control-Alt-Delete, a WYSIWYG podcast from TheVerge.com. This is like a throwback episode. That's a, that's <laughs> yeah, a good one. Totally. Uh, that one comes from Pete Vandy on Twitter. It's Nothing's Written on, on Twitter.com, a popular messaging service. Uh, I am Neon <laughs> Patel, the editor-in-chief with Verge.com. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Verge executive editor, co-founder of Recode, Walter Mossberg. How's it going, Walt? It's going great, Neil. Were you, like, notified of that tweet while you were trying to do something important? <laughs> Yes, I was. I get interrupted by all of them. That's what you yep. wrote about this week. Well, totally. your column this week was all about messaging services, notifications, the incredible amount of incoming information, uh, which you have been ever since we got you. Listeners of this show absolutely know this. Ever since Walt joined the Verge, we put him on Slack. The amount of there's so much crap I have to pay attention to. It's. It, I think it's just been building into this column. Yeah, well, it isn't all Slack, but um, it is true. It is true. And I, the lead of the column is also true that there was a time, and I'm not making this number up, when I got about 350 emails a day. And uh, I bitched about it. And now I wish it was all contained in emails uh, or yeah. something, some form, some one container. Even if they came from different sources and services, which they do, if they weren't siloed, if I had a client that could kind of contain them all. Some people in those days would send me email from, I'm just making this up, let's say some corporate exchange system. They would send me from Earthlink or Yahoo or, you know, Apple, whatever it was. But they would all come into Outlook if I was using Windows or Apple's client if I was using Mac. And uh, I could, and or the equivalents on mobile. And... I could uh, set individual settings, but I could also set general settings. The other thing is nobody – very few people expected an instant response on email. Obviously, some emails you did respond quickly to because of the nature of whatever the email said. But um, for the most part, nobody like got really pissed at you if they didn't hear four or five hours or the next morning or something. That's not the same with messaging. Right. Uh, 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 if you get a message uh, from any of these zillion siloed services that have no common client, uh, and and particularly if you get notified, um, people, you kind of feel compelled to respond quickly. Yeah, and it was in the email day. If you really wanted somebody urgently, you had to call them. Right, that was yeah. fine, <laughs> which that was very simple. It was you can email them and that's basically just faster, better mail or you can pick up the phone and that was fine. And then we added texting and texting obviously is addictive, but I never wanted to text with people outside of my larger circle. You know, it was that was pretty contained. And even that was like I never felt like I had to, you know, there's a whole etiquette around texting. But now we've just layered on. 900 competing messaging services, they all send, and this was a point you made uh, in regards to Slack in particular in your column, to a, a user of a phone, there's no way to prioritize 
the notifications. They all look the same. So a bombardment of notifications from some app, I think you pointed out, that wants to tell you about road conditions and me in Slack and a friend in IMS. It's all just the same flood of information. Exactly. There's just no way to manage it. Which well, and that be, because there's no container, and so the the you know the the ideal thing would be if if there was some uh, container like an email client, like everything used to come through Outlook if you were a Windows user for mm-hmm. a lot of people, uh, and the equivalent uh, on the Mac. Um, in fact, Outlook is on the Mac uh, or some other product. And it didn't really matter so much that the person chose to use a particular email service because it all came into you through the same thing. And there were some Uber settings. There's nothing like that for for these messages or for notifications, which are two separate things. And they're two separate things because they're two different uh, ways of interrupting you all the time. And notifications can also come from things that aren't strictly messages, right? Because mm-hmm. you you can get notif like the the road notification. There's an accident on a certain road. You might want to know about it, even though the app behind it is stupid, utterly stupid, and doesn't know what your commute is, and has no means to learn what your commute is. So it mostly tells me about accidents that have no bearing on my life. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I- I'm sorry for the people in the accidents. I don't mean I'm not, but. But it's not going to affect my commute, so I don't really need to be interrupted by an alert, which happens all the time. Yeah, I've uh, somehow gotten um, into a situation where the Amazon app sends me a ship notification, and it also the Amazon web service sends me a text. So I get two for, and it's like I, any this oh, is you don't you don't oh need like God. AI to solve this problem. Like it yeah. just needs to know this is. The same, literally the same text is being displayed. Yeah, or or send me an email. It just says, "Hey, Neil, do you know you're signed up in two different ways to get notified? Are you sure you want to do this? Click here if you want to, whichever one you want to use." I will say, no, no, I I have several of those. The listener should know that when Walt's column is ready, he both slacks me and texts me, yeah, so that I'm aware. But I pointed that out because I know you're under the same onslaught. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether at that moment you're paying more attention to Slack or you're paying more attention to uh, iMessage or whatever it is. So I do both. Right. And uh, I think that this is an important – Whereas in the email days, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, because I would know. And email filtering is actually quite good it, it, you know, because it's all – one kind of data coming into one service. So it doesn't even matter what your client... If your client's Gmail, you can rely on Google's algorithms. If your client's Apple Mail, there's some intelligence built into there. But all of that has gotten quite good over time. What I will say is, and this came up for me a lot when I did my Apple Watch review, because I think one of the main uh, features, functions, killer apps of the Apple Watch is notifications. Right. And it's just an impossible mess, right? It's it's not well set up or thought out. There's no real difference in how you get notifications set to your watch versus your phone. Even if that was set up, the interface is, needs to be rethought. So I, I pointed out that it's out of the box. It's just an all or nothing flood to your watch. You have to go monkey with it. Well, the watch is the one thing where I went to the app and did what I need to do on everything – 
which is I went through and cut back. And a lot of people who have kept their Apple Watches have gone through and cut out 80% of the notifications. But here's my favorite thing that but, happens. But that's the thing. I, but to, to, that's if To make the watch useful, you have to turn off a bunch of its features. But to make notifications useful, it has to know when one of those notifications is more important to you than at oh, other yeah. times. And, and that, that is and, just really and, hard to solve. And, and with email, you could do that. Like I'll give you an example. In Apple Mail, which can handle Gmail, not well, but it can handle it, uh, po- even old pop accounts, of which there are fewer and fewer, but I have one. Uh, I have one left. Uh, uh, it's not a client that's just set up for iCloud. In fact, it doesn't do anything, as far as I can tell, better with iCloud than it does with, uh, you know, I don't know, some exchange thing or some other service. But it's a a client, and I could say, uh, I could designate, now this is a manual process, and it would be better if machine learning told it this, but I could say, these are my VIPs. I have these 10 people that are 12 people, whatever it is, that are my VIPs. And it then uses that to do a whole bunch of different things like uh, it affects the do not disturb mode on Macs and iOS devices by saying, okay, if you're in do, do, a, uh, do not disturb mode, check here. My VIP thing still can go through but nothing else. Maybe you don't want to check that but it, you know, it, it knows that certain things certain kinds of notifications based on certain people called VIPs are treated differently. Because this is a single container, regardless of what service somebody's using, but with messages and notifications of things like, oh, somebody retweeted your tweet, you know, if, if you're idiotic enough, and I am sometimes, because I don't know exactly how to set all, or I haven't yeah. sat down and done all the settings in Twitter. Um, uh, there is no single uh, client like that to help me with Uber settings. And, uh, you know, I think we need that. And and because we don't have that, the next best thing is the OSs. Right. Uh, but here's the problem. The, mo- the two big mobile OSs, uh, uh, Android and iOS, are run by companies that are also have big stakes in messaging. And I'm not sure what their incentive is to give you a lot of control over messaging and notifications of messaging. No, I mean, basically none, right? And Right. But so there's another argument. I mean, we, that's a whole long conversation. But I just want to point out the other argument, because what you're talking about is email was an open system and clients were developed and everything worked in email. And, the, you know, it was a standard. I would argue that that is great, and a lot of the innovation happened on the client side, but very little innovation sort of happened in the email as an integrated system side. All of these proprietary messaging systems like WhatsApp, now iMessage, we saw a bunch of new features come at WWDC, um, oh, Skype, you know, just like name them, Allo, Duo, every messenger yeah, face, in the world. Facebook, Facebook messenger. messenger. They right. are able to quickly roll out new features to those messaging services because they control the both the client and the network. So that's the trade-off, right? You have these proprietary things that are tightly controlled and they can just move them forward without having to worry about breaking tons and tons but of But it's driving people nuts. It mean, is, you, it, but if, it is if, driving people nuts. If you look at my Twitter feed today, which is another whole thing, but if you look at my Twitter feed, qu- quite a few of the comments I'm getting on this column 
uh, you know, there's usually one guy who says, "Oh, this is stupid" or something. But most of most of the most of the comments are, "Oh my God, I'm glad somebody wrote this. I feel exactly <laughs> the same way." Or there's a couple of journalists who say, "I wish I'd written. I was thinking about writing about this. You know, whatever." Uh, and it's not because I'm some genius. I'm just you know, some once in a while, if you ha- are allowed. Uh, as a journalist to do rants and commentaries, which I am luckily, you will, if you're smart and if you're lucky, you will hit on something that everybody is thinking but nobody has quite said as – at least as pointedly as you have. And so that's all. Uh, it's, it's, it's clearly – it's clearly a problem for lots of people. And – but the, the, the solutions on a client side are – Almost impossible, right? So right. I know that right. you, you spoke uh, to Dieter Bone, our, our other executive editor, a lot in this column because he's thought about this forever. <laughs> yeah, um, Dieter and I had a phone uh, – when I, when, I, when I messaged you guys at the last minute, as I always do, about what my column was going to be, <laughs> <laughs> Dieter – On four services at once. I am kind of like a last-minute notification <laughs> system. <laughs> Dieter sent me back a thing saying, hey, if you want to co-rant on the phone about this – Using an old technology, uh, uh, you know, before you actually start writing, I'm I'm here. So I did, and we co-ranted for a while. Yeah, and yeah. Well, so but Dieter's point, and I think he always brings up, uh, WebOS had this system called Synergy, where yeah. you would just log into all your accounts and you would open up one messaging client and all of your phone calls and emails and text messages and everything from every service would be pulled into one unified interface, which was great, and then WebOS died. Um, but what, the, what, I, what I'm saying, the problem with these proprietary services is, let's say WebOS was hugely successful, alternate timeline universe. Yeah, right. Every time uh, Facebook updated Messenger, they would have to call, I guess, HP or Palm or whoever in this timeline owns WebOS. Uh, they would have to call Palm and say, hey, we're going to update Messenger Make sure you fix your phone because otherwise it's going to break. And then any other vendor that plugged into Messenger, they'd have to make that call. And in the, this in this timeline, Facebook actually makes voice phone calls to Palm. Who Is knows? Right? Who knows what they're saying? <laughs> well, well they, they broke Messenger. They got to no. do something. But right, the, you you have to. This is a real break point. You I either think they have send. To, I think they send an iMessage. In that see, <laughs> they, they FaceTime. Uh, That'd be great. Zuckerberg is just FaceTiming John Rubenstein. Hey, we're well, he has a, He walks around with a Mac. If you go there, that's what he does, you know. Yeah. But I, all I'm saying is that is the clear trade-off, right? Either the, the apps and the service progress really fast as one unit, or every time you change the service, you have to go to every client vendor and say, hey, get ready, update, get your update in line because we're going to break the thing. And that slows you way down, but you get more compatibility. Okay, but so let me ask you a question. Why didn't that happen with email? Is it because you don't think it moved fast enough? I mean, we did go from Pop, and maybe there were some versions of Pop I'm I'm forgetting, but we had Pop for a long time, and we had Exchange. Exchange was considered more the enterprise thing, and then we had Pop for everything else. And then we moved to IMAP, and there were versions of IMAP, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, But, you know... It didn't seem to me that the major clients had much trouble keeping up as IMAP progressed. Yeah, but I, I maybe I'll get this wrong, but I, email is a much simpler standard. First of all, we still mostly just send plain text, and where they got and that 
clients. Oh no! Well, yep, yeah, no, but look, our a- Apple. I remember Apple's client had the ability to do inline beautiful photos. They showed it off a bazillion times uh, in the early days. Uh, you know, a long time ago. I mean, it wasn't just plain text. And then they would add more and more, you know, then you could send audio files or whatever and play them right in the email. I mean, the, the, it's not that the clients didn't and, and, and actually aren't still to this day. I mean, you know, markups and whatever Apple has introduced or is about to roll out in the fall, um, the client is still advancing. The Gmail client is still advancing. They've tried six different, you know, there's inbox, there's – there's diff- there's the priority, you know, sorting. There's different things. There, there's a lot of innovation in clients. Right, but it, that's on the client side. So the data's coming in. The client's doing a bunch of work. That's happening there. But there's no – I think the last great – someone's definitely going to correct me, and I welcome your corrections. But I think the last great new idea about email was Google Wave, which was so far ahead of its time that it seemed crazy then – and now I realize that if you just sort of mash up email and docs and Slack, you have exactly what Google is trying to do there, right? It's – I want to make it Sa- – Sounds appetizing, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it sounds like a message <laughs> notification. But like that was the last big attempt to rethink what email could be. The features that you – add, the that Apple, for example, added to iMessage at WWDC, no one's trying to add that stuff to email, right? The push a button and talk in real time that – uh, Messenger and other apps are doing. No one's trying to add that stuff to email because it's just impossible, right? It's you have to update the how the clients communicate to each other, which means you have to update all the servers in between. So email is great, I, it, but it has remained, and I think part of the reason it's great is it has remained fundamentally simple. The clients are way smarter, but the protocols are. Yeah, I'm not simple. defending email. I, like I said, I I I bitched all the time about. The heavy load of email I had, but I, I am defending the notion that email allowed allowed you to take disparate incoming sources and control them at least to some extent in a client of your choice. Well, it's kind of like what we you need don't is a, have that with messaging. What you need is like a minimum viable message. This is one of those things. It's like a pipe dream. Everyone, if everyone would just work together and say, yeah. for a regular text message, we're going to let them all go into the system inbox and let iOS or Android handle it so we can sort your notifications against your contacts. But then if something crazy happens, it'll show you a button and you can open the app. That would be great, right? If It would be, yeah. If, you know, if someone in iMessage is texting you, it's just a normal thing, but then if they want to send you a sticker, you end up opening <laughs> iMessage. That'd right. be great. It's never going to fucking happen. Well, it's never going to happen because, as I pointed out in the column, and as you well know, it happens that the two big mobile platforms are run by companies who are also competing in messaging as a platform. So they have a big interest in keeping the, 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 the message source and the message client unified and – Kind of exclusive, yep, and I tightly mean, integrated into the system yeah, in a way that even else can be. even when Google puts Allo or Facebook puts Facebook Messenger on iOS and uh, or you know so that they're both on iOS and Android, which iMessage is not because it's Apple. Uh, but even when they do that, you're still in Google World. You might be on iOS, but you're still in Google World in a in a in a 
in a separate app and a separate client. Uh, you know, you, if Apple tomorrow announced some universal meshing client like the one you just described, which they won't, but if they did, um, Google probably wouldn't participate or it wouldn't be compatible. Well, so here I've got this column is 15 years old, and I was pointing out earlier that you could just find and replace nouns, and it would be totally accurate to today. Um, this is Walt's column. August 2, 2001, it's titled, Real Consumer Choice Has Been Early Victim in Battle of the Titans. Uh, and it's, a basi- it's basically about Microsoft in you know the heyday of Windows, making sure that its stuff was default or better or privileged. Uh, and so I was going to read some of it to you. The worst offender, as usual, is Microsoft. It always contends that Windows is an open platform designed as a level playing field on which competitors can offer consumers alternatives to its own software and services. But in the end, it always seems to find a way to make it hard for consumers to discover non-Microsoft options. In Windows XP, Microsoft is building into the operating system what amounts to tightly integrated access to outside services like instant messaging and online ordering of photos and music. I have no problem with these things being built into Windows, but I do have a problem with in the manner in which Microsoft is doing so because it doesn't provide enough consumer choice. And then Walt goes on to say, the right way to do this would have been for Microsoft to ask Windows XP customers during installation if they wanted built-in instant messaging. And if they said yes, the installation program could then ask, which service would you like Windows to connect you to? And then offer a choice between AOL, MSN, and Yahoo. That, oh, and then you have a great, Walt and I always joke. I always add kickers to Walt's columns. Yeah. You've got a, you've got a great sort of kicker of the section. Uh, consumer choice seems to be the last thing on the minds of companies today. They're more interested in treating consumers like sheep, herding them into whatever path is in the, cus- the company's own interest. Now, I'm telling you, you could, we could literally take this column and just change a bunch of words. You could change it all to Apple or change it all to Google, change it all to Facebook, whatever you want. And it is exactly right to how the companies treat their ecosystems today. They are constantly privileging their own services and apps and ideas over even when they know consumers want to use other stuff. Yeah. I I, I want to say two things uh, about that. One is, uh, you know, you actually tweeted what you just said mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the day. Uh, and uh, people people gave their their proposals. Some people said <laughs> Apple. Some people said Google. Some people uh, some people said Facebook. Uh, so uh, uh, you're you're I think you're right. And secondly, it's a little known fact. I like to throw these in. Uh, that column won me the Microsoft Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, <laughs> it did. I, it's a lovely trophy. <laughs> Given to me by Bill Gates. And it's, it's quite wonderful. I mean, but this was like the heyday of, I mean, yeah. antitrust yeah. days for Mike. I mean, like. Yeah, it was. And, and, the, and the unspoken thing that I frankly didn't get into, uh, but I should have gotten into, was there was a lengthy war about interoperability and the lack of interoperability in IM between AIM, AOL, and MSN or Microsoft uh, had different names, but Microsoft Instant Messenger, and Microsoft came on the scene later, and um, AOL was there first. And it's different than it is today because you had essentially you had to be in a much bigger client, like the overall AOL client, which some younger listeners may not even know existed, or the you know in Windows or an MSN MSN client 
to get uh, to get the instant messaging. Eventually, it got broken out, but for a long time. And then eventually, people started to break the protocols and build their own clients. Um, yeah, like Adium and some of those. Yeah, but that was a big. I mean, this stuff sounds like ancient history, but it is exactly parallel. It's to exactly what's what we're talking about. It is exactly it, the same. The only thing, thing is, the only thing is, it's a hundred, a thousand x now because. You have a hundred or a thousand x things that will message you. Like Slack is reaching its hand onto your desktop from inside your work uh, environment, uh, even though there may be many channels and rooms in Slack that have nothing directly to do with work. But nevertheless, it's reaching from inside your work. And Facebook Messenger is reaching from inside your social network. And then there are things that are somewhat more straightforward like uh, iMessage, which is, which is you know, reaching from inside Apple world but is, but is truly just a communications thing at least at the moment till we see what kind of apps they add to it. But, um, so, but it doesn't matter because every – or the traffic guy is notifying you or Dark Sky. Do you have that – do you have Dark Sky on your do. phone? I do. Dark Sky is one of the few notifications that's consistently valuable. It's consistently valuable, but there are days you're not so – it doesn't really matter to you that it's about to start sprinkling in 15 <laughs> minutes. It, it, it's great. It's When you first see it, it's awesome. How do these guys know it's going to start raining in five <laughs> minutes? And it does. You look out the window and sure enough, it does start raining in five minutes. And you're like, these are magicians. Yeah. Jesus. This is like – it's it's like this is a direct um, – it's a direct – message beamed to you from Hogwarts or something. You know, it's <laughs> awesome. But but in the context of getting too many notifications, sometimes you wonder, you know, um, maybe there's a way I could tune this. And maybe there is. I shouldn't knock these guys. But maybe there's a way I could tune this so that I only really care when I'm going to be, you know, like commuting or something. I don't know. If I'm in the middle of my work day and yeah. I'm in my office – do I really need to know it's going to start raining in five minutes? I, I, I maybe I won't go to, what, try to walk to Starbucks. I, I just know. like to pretend that I might go outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's aspiration, <laughs> yeah. and then it crushes your crushes your aspiration. Like, oh, it stopped raining. <laughs> now I'm definitely going to go outside. Right. Oops. Rain in five, three minutes. You're running to the elevator, trying to race yeah. dark sky. <laughs> And then it morphs into a fitness system. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Beat <laughs> the rain with Dark Sky. Um, well, I mean, I, but that's – I would love to be able to tell my phone. And I, you re, it's really hard to do this on both platforms. It's You can do a little bit more of it with Android because just because the way Android is built, there's all stuff, kinds of stuff to download and monkey with. But it's still hard. Um, I would love to be able to tell my phone, these ones are important to me. And within the app, these ones are even more important. So if I get yeah. a text from, you know, my wife or from Walt, put those that just make sure they get to me. But if I'm getting a delivery status notification from Amazon, you know, after a while, I don't even need to see it. Every time I take a picture of my phone for the site, someone always points out, oh, my God, you have so many unread text messages. And I'm like, all that is – is two-factor codes, right? It's I looked yeah. at my lock screen oh, yeah. and I typed in I the code to, I, and I'm oh not going to sit around deleting them or opening text. I don't oh, my shit. God. Absolutely. And they're for everything. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, compl- I completely agree with you. The Amazon shipping notices, the two-factor code ones, which, you know, we're for two-factor yeah. until somebody comes up with something better, uh, which I hope they do very soon. But, um, uh, yeah, those are, those, are, those are texts. And you do need to be able to tell people this is more important. But who you're going to tell, that's the thing. <laughs> right. I made, I made an analogy in the column. If you go into Android, and I even linked to an article from another publication that I thought was kind of a neat summary of four steps you could do, you know. But if you go into settings on Android or on iOS, and I'm sure on Windows and Mac as well, and you say, I want to really address this notification problem, which, by the way, does not address the underlying messaging problem. And the fact that if you turn off the notification, you're still going to be like a little nervous that you might miss something important. But put that to the side. Uh, If you say, I want to address the notification problem, and let's just take iOS. You go in there. They have a very good system, right, Mm -hmm. that lets you – it's very – you're in control. You can say, I don't want any notifications from this app. Uh, I don't want – uh, sounds. I want it to be silent, uh, or I want it to show me this kind of banner or this other kind of banner. One of which you can actually take an action on, and one you can't. One lingers, one doesn't. Or it's going to just be a badge count, or it's going to be in the notification center, or not, or it's going to be on the lock screen, or not. Think about the choices I just mentioned <laughs> for every single one. And if you are, uh, you know, a, a maybe a light duty user, and you only have I don't, I don't know, twenty-five apps, you could probably do it. But if you have the kind of number of apps that you and I have, Neli, this is I compared it to this. I compared it to the constant plan everyone has to sit down and 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 go through their list of Facebook friends and get rid of a whole bunch of them because they're not <coughs> you're not really close to them anymore and they you know there's just too many. Right. But you, but you always say to yourself I'll never get those 5 hours back. And so you never sit down and do it and for the same reason you're never going to do this. Yeah, I mean never. And it it I, what I'm saying is once you start adding the whole ecosystem of other devices to your life around that you're it's exponentially more complexity because there's some do I want all of those settings actually mirrored to my Mac do I want all of those settings actually mirrored to my phone or my uh my watch that I don't know yeah well they sort of are I mean have you ever been sitting there uh you or listeners Have you ever been sitting there, if you happen to be an Apple owner, and you have an iPhone, an iPad, and a Mac somewhere nearby? You don't have to be using them all at once, of course. You're not a lunatic, but they're sort of around. (laughs) And somebody calls. Yeah. And you have continuity turned on. They all friggin' ring. Yeah, it's bomb. They all ring. And you're, like, paralyzed for a second if you happen to be on the Mac because you can accept the call, but you really don't want to conduct the call on the Mac. Yeah. Because it's like a big 
public thing, you know. And does your Mac as, keep ringing afterwards? Uh, this happens to you all the some, time. Sometimes, yes. I can. I, sometimes it's it's the best icebreaker for a phone call ever when you pick it up and you hear somebody else's <laughs> Mac continue to ring. You're like, oh, hey, Mac's still ringing. Like it always happens. And now you're best friends. You can like do some business. Uh, just try it out. I, I guarantee you. It's uh, true. Or my wife and I'll be sitting watching TV. Yeah. Uh, on, uh, you know, one of our five boxes we have plugged into the TV, we'd be watching something, and something, one of the devices in the room will start dinging. <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't know what it is. She has, for reasons um, I don't question, uh, uh, I've stayed married a long time, <laughs> she has uh, something that goes off on her phone for every email. Now, granted, she doesn't get as many as me, thank goodness, but still, it's it you know it goes off. I had one of the Macs start stinging, even though it's asleep, supposedly. I don't know. It's I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. So here's the thing. So this is like we've described the problem at great length. The reason the problem is important is not just we as consumers are annoyed, which is important, and hopefully they fix it. But the next great wave of energy and excitement and money and innovation appears to be happening. We've talked about this forever in AI, in chat interfaces, in messaging, you know, dominoes to order a pizza. It's all of this stuff is dependent on you communicating with some other party through a messaging service. Yep. If we as users are this frustrated right now, then there's no way any of that stuff is going to work. And the amount of attention that needs to get paid to notifications on iOS and Android is so high that literally if if iOS 10, if they took away every new feature and they just said, we fix notifications in some intelligent way or Android Nougat instead of basically just having a great name in VR – all Google had said right. in I.O. was we fix notifications. That would be enough to rejoice. But there does not seem to be a lot of attention being paid to this stuff. I agree. I I, I couldn't agree more. And somebody on Twitter said, well, or, or on, uh, actually uh, either Twitter or CNBC, which I was on earlier today, uh, against the lovely, by the way, Verge backdrop, backdrop huh. uh, said um, – well, there's going to be all this AI in messaging as a platform, right? All these companies are doing it, uh, either bots or Google Assistant or apps in Apple's case. There's going to be a lot of things there. Um, can't the AI in the new messaging platforms work to do just what you're talking about, you know, and uh, get you and understand you and hold down the notifications or tailor them to you? Or are they just do – you, do you think the worst is going to happen and they're just going to want to spew more th- stuff at you? And I'm like 100 percent totally sure they're going to spew more stuff at you. Yeah. It's like, look at me. I'm open table. <laughs> and that- I'm open table. And by the way – and I'm not coming to you from the open table app where you may already have said don't notify me. I'm coming to you from the bot in Facebook Messenger, which you have to have because – Three of your friends, but not the other 111, uh, use Facebook Messenger. <laughs> so my the open table bot there is going to want to 
chat me up. Yeah. It's going to – so I'm going to get a notification that says, Open Table Bot says, hey, in your neighborhood, blah, blah, Chinese restaurant has op- two seats tonight at 7 o'clock, 5% off. You know what? F you. I'm not interested. <laughs> I don't feel like Chinese tonight. Just because you said that, I'm not going there. <laughs> But that's like, that's the problem. Like, in a nutshell, is you want OpenTable to be smarter, but you probably don't want to give OpenTable that much more information about you. You don't know which messaging service you want to put OpenTable into because everyone, everything else has to use. Other well, they're all going to have. They're all going to have open tape. This is even worse. You're going to get three of these because the bot in Facebook Messenger is going to do this. Google Assistant is going to do it, and probably they'll do an app for iMessage when the API, you know, with using the SDK mm-hmm. or the API or whatever it is. And so you you might get three of them. So Dieter, <laughs> and this is, I, I was saying earlier to Walt, uh, Dieter. He's one day going to write, you know, the great the great book about the web versus apps over time, and I yeah. think he should probably write the great messaging service notifications book one day. But he just wrote a column for us, uh, twenty questions about bots. I don't know the answer to, and literally, the first five are these questions: she, How should you talk to the bot? She use Facebook Messenger, Skype, or iMessage? Which bots will be completely dependent on the platform you've chosen to use? Or will they be more open, like the web? Uh, and then number five, should you pick an intermediary? And this is the important one. Should you pick an e- intermediary service like Google Now or Cortana or Siri? Or do you talk directly to the bots, which are more intelligent? Which do you choose and when? Now, that is that that is so problematic in every possible way, right? It's yeah, Do you yes, trust... Google to have all of your information, and when you say to Google, I want Chinese food, it knows that you prefer some restaurants and open table versus some other restaurants that use Resi and other service, and you're, yep. you're going to let Google have all of that information, or do you want to give little chunks of information to 95 different services? There's so much privacy there. There's so much security there that all has oh, to be oh, worked Oh, totally. Out. And there's a lot of subtle distinctions. Uh, I mentioned in the comm this morning, and I'll say it again. So I have signed up with CVS, which is the closest drugstore to my house. It's where my prescriptions are. I've signed up to say, tell me when one of my prescriptions is ready to be picked up because you, you want to do what your doctor says or try to. And uh, CVS says, okay, and they do that. But then they also tell me there's a sale on shampoo. You know what? Screw you. Don't interrupt <laughs> me and tell me there's a sale on shampoo. Yeah. But, and, and maybe somewhere down in the CVS app, which is actually pretty good app, pretty convenient if you're picking up prescriptions, uh, there's some way to turn that off. I don't have time. I don't have time to figure it out. This is what AI should be about. You know, we've noticed you've never used a sale thing, so we're going to stop bothering you about it. Right. But do but you want do, do you want CVS to learn that much about you? And you yeah, know, they that's did a learn question. that much about you 
Can they keep it safe? And even if they did learn that much about you and they kept it safe, is it in their interest to ever stop sending no! sale notifications? They, they want to keep telling me about the shampoo sales and the toothpaste sales and, you know, uh, you know, eight, eight weeks early, uh, Halloween is coming and we have costumes or whatever it is, you know. Uh, and I'm not knocking – I mean probably Walgreens says the same thing. I don't know. But um, uh, it's it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, and I, I'd feel much better if we could – if I could have ended the column and we could end this podcast by saying, and here's the neat solution. Go download this thing and it will solve all your problems. But it doesn't exist yet. But this, somebody's going to have to get a handle on this because what's going to happen is people are going to start turning off all these notifications or withdrawing. I mean, I got a bunch of tweets already from people who said, Walt, just have to, you just have to be on one messaging service and you have to be on – and don't join the other ones. And if your friends want to use the other ones, you'll be unreachable there and they'll learn where to reach you and turn <laughs> off all the, all the notifications. It's just like the prisoner's dilemma. <laughs> it is. Or like it is. It's like all, the war of all against all. It's you're the one friend who holds out, so everyone has to use the service you choose. But then you have another friend who held out who uses a different service, so everyone yeah. has to. I mean, there's no way to game this out such that one service wins. Except, and I will say this: 15 years after your column was all about Microsoft and Windows privileging MSN and their own internet service and Microsoft destroyed Netscape by bundling Internet Explorer and on and on and on. 15 years later, none of that shit's relevant. (laughs) Right? Like, not even a little bit. Like, the idea of MSN being relevant to this conversation is laughable. Um, The idea of Internet Explorer... Internet Explorer doesn't even exist anymore. Um, It does the MSN... I.E., uh, I mean, I.M. service still yeah, exists? Yeah, I think that's I don't around. Know. But they're rolling, they've rolled it all, they're, you know, it's it's steadily being rolled up all into Skype if, if that process hasn't been fully completed, right? I think. Okay, yeah. All I'm saying is all of that in Skype. And by the way, by the way, plug, we're using Skype right now to do this podcast. We are, and I, I don't think we actually got any notifications about it. So a, a no, big win didn't. for Skype. Big win for Skype. <laughs> um and Skype had to be fundamentally rearchitected over time to to absorb all of MSN Messenger. So there is a world in which competition fixes all of this. But I don't think, and maybe I'm crazy, I think the Microsoft Windows dominance got broken by the phone, right? It That was the oh, thing yeah. that enabled yeah. it. The iPhone came out. The smartphone re- revolution. Yeah, happened. and they and, and frankly, I'll say this publicly on this podcast. He can and and and, and defenders can tweet and yell at me. That it's not an unusual thing. Um, I think Steve Ballmer uh, let that happen. Yeah. I think he he laughed at the by laughing at the iPhone privately, not pub- publicly. He laughed at it, which is his way, and that's fine. But. I was astonished to find that privately he laughed at it. He didn't call a crisis meeting. He didn't say, "Hey, we have to. This is a different thing. We have to better do something about this." He didn't. Right. Um, whereas it, one of the worst business decisions in I don't know fifty years. Um, it, it, on the flip side, though, uh, Rim, the BlackBerry team, totally did call a crisis meeting. Uh, 
And then they decided everything's okay. <laughs> and they were like, we'll just, we'll just glue they did some touchscreens on. Yeah, they did. There was no, they didn't. But they didn't say let's glue some touchscreens on in that first in two thousand seven. Yeah, they did. The uh, storm might, came they, out on Verizon. They they literally just yeah, glued but not a right away, not right after the not right after the iPhone. It was a little while. I think it was the next the next Christmas. Uh, the storm was like two thousand eight. And it wasn't really a touch screen. It was a with us a whole other podcast. It was it was a thing. It had mechanical scissor mechanisms underneath, and it was just like don't even start. There's a great yeah. we did. Yes, uh, there's a great book called "Losing the Signal," which is all about the downfall of BlackBerry. But yeah, uh, and there's we did ancient when the Verge first launched. We did a whole big feature on a BlackBerry falling apart, but. Uh, my point is BlackBerry also had this incredible dominance in mobile messaging that got broken by the iPhone. Um, and they did hold the crisis meeting. So both, both, both attempts, like play it off cool like Microsoft did, go into full panic mode like BlackBerry did, both broken by the emergence of the modern smartphone platforms in iOS and Android. My only point is, yes, 15 years later, Microsoft's dominance and their anti-consumer choice positions are not relevant. But that's only because of the emergence, the revolution of the phone. And now they're totally consumer choice. You can <laughs> there are like 70 Microsoft's apps on on yeah. an Apple platform, which you would never have believed. I would have and, never believed that Microsoft would be in, would be pushing the EU to regulate Google the way that the EU regulated Microsoft. I mean it's Yeah, that's interesting. The, the whole too, world's yeah. a circle. You know, but um I, my point here is, and maybe you could never see it, and maybe this is why Microsoft laughed at it. It's not readily apparent what thing is going to break the phone the way the phone broke the PC. right? I mean, the phone's a pretty great little object. Uh, yeah. And we're 10 years. Next year will be 10 years of the iPhone. So if you presume that the Arc will go the same way, you know, maybe the phone has 15, 20 more years left in it the way the PC had. 30 great, amazing, dominant years. But that's what it takes to get that big swing is another gigantic paradigm revolution. So until that happens, we're stuck with notifications. We're stuck with multiple no, we're disparate not. No, we're not. messaging Somebody, services. I think, that, I think we need a people's revolt. <laughs> Just kind of a people's a political Just revolution. Turn them off. Airplane Just kind of like. I think we need to feel the tech burn here, yeah. and uh, I think just people just should should revolt. I, you know, they're, they're, I don't know if there's any metrics for these guys to tell, but I think it'd be interesting if people just said, you know, stop interrupting me. Yeah, we just need stop a, interrupting me. We need well. Here's more merch, man. We need Control Alt Delete shirts with that Do Not Disturb icon on them, or I know the airplane know. mode icon on them. I know. Pick up a, a, a political revolution, tech, tech revolution. <laughs> Do control not disturb. That's the yeah. You haven't gotten. Let, let me let me just say you haven't even gotten any merch yet. So let's I'm not. working on it. <laughs> every I've day, heard about that. every day, I spend at least you know two what? minutes thinking you know about what? merch. N- now that I now that I have moved <laughs> into Vox Intergalactic Headquarters, yeah. I see our CEO. I chat with him. I chatted with him a couple hours ago. I'm gonna sit did down you bring up merch? merch? I'm no, but I'm, I'm gonna have a merch passing the buck back, man. Well, he was on his way to Chicago or oh, somewhere, sure. but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a merch meeting with him. You gotta, like a whole lunch just about merch. I mean, and I will I will get it done. Look, you have access to the CEO now. Well, uh, you do too. 
well, I mean, you're you're, you're face to face. I got to send him Slack <laughs> notifications, the same as every other schlub. They're getting you lost. Can get on, you can get on the train. We just did. We here. just did fifty three <laughs> minutes on how my Slack notifications get lost. <laughs> I don't ignore your Slack <laughs> notifications. Well, I'll Slack you tomorrow and tell you to remind Bank Off to get us some merch. But that's merch. It. All right, that's it. We gotta no. We gotta do regular T-shirts, and then we gotta do ones that are militant pro-consumer choice, anti-notifications. With if and if listeners want to send me designs, I'm open to them. Uh, but I'm thinking it should be the "Do Not Disturb" icon, and that's that's the revolt, right? We're not we're not gonna take your notifications until you smarten up. Right, I think that's right. Do you, I mean? Do you uh, think either of these platform vendors are ever gonna really hear the? Really hear the well. I, I, I honestly think if if um, do not disturb was beefed up into just don't interrupt me. Let me think, which is I'll give it. I'll give that to whichever one does a great job first. I'll give it to them free, copyright free. <laughs> let me think. Let me think. Just let me think. Be quiet. Something like that. Shush. Any <laughs> of those things. They should have a feature like that, and it should just. It, it, it's, it should be kind of like airplane mode for notifications. Now, they do have it. I mean, I can go into notifications and turn them all off, but um, but you're a little worried about doing that. I mean, that's why it's not one subject. It's not just notifications. There's the there's the huge morass of messaging, some which is work, some which is like, what if your kid's in trouble? What if, you're, uh, what if your editor or your boss or your... Uh, subordinate has some big problem at work you know the project's in trouble the the budget isn't being met the the whatever i mean you know it's a problem yeah and but then so you just start adding complexity right because i would love to have one notifications profile at work and a totally separate one for at home where at work I don't really carry my laptop around the office. I tend to do everything from my phone. And I would love to see every Slack and every email that comes through on that screen while I'm at work. Just because it's, you know, I'm at work. I'm here. I'm here to pay attention to this stuff. Let me pay attention to it. Um, The same way that I can pay attention to it on a laptop screen and not feel overwhelmed. But the second I get home, I I really don't want to see any of that stuff. And it's my phone is not smart enough to know... All right, it's time to turn to ratchet down the Slack notifications. How hard could that be, really? I mean, it knows it knows what Wi-Fi network I'm on. It has a GPS. It knows what cell tower right. I'm connected. It, I mean, it knows when, knows you, I'm home. when you're in the office and when you're in your apartment. Now, people do work from home, so that's an additional complexity. But uh, but they, certainly, it ought to be able to figure out your commuting pattern. It's a little creepy. There are people who think it's too creepy, but it, but I could see it doing something. I, I, again, I will give. How about this? We're going to make T-shirts of some kind, and we will give them to Tim Cook or <laughs> Sundar Pichai. Yeah, two guys whoever who are hurting do, for T-shirts. Whoever does this for yeah, I know. Whoever does this first will get a. We'll even make a deluxe version of the T-shirt for those guys. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know what a deluxe T-shirt looks like, but we'll make one, uh, maybe with gold leaf on it or something. You know, for one of those guys. <laughs> Well, I mean, I would I would accept every app having three settings: off, important only, and all. And I could just monkey the sliders around however I want, and then right. set and one th- for home and one for work. And then we'll know the important only one. Yeah, <clears throat> will depend on some AI. Yeah. So 
That'll also be a really interesting test of whether Google's AI is better than Apple's AI. And a really interesting test of how much you want to give Google or give Amazon or who, I mean, those Amazon yeah, I might, notifications. You, I just got to figure it out. If anyone knows how to just turn them all off, just let me know. And you may give – well, it's, you can turn them all off. But uh, uh, oh, oh, on Amazon, yeah, yeah, I don't know how to turn those off. Uh, if you give uh, Apple – you have to give Apple a little handicap if you believe uh, – and I think there hasn't been any counterproof for this. But if you believe that they're keeping things more private than the other guys, you might give them, yeah, might give them a 10% break on being a little dumber. Uh, but I don't want to give them a 50% break on being dumber because they have – what do they call it? And I've already forgotten what it is. Differential that, privacy. Differential privacy. They have that. So use that. Use that. Show show me how you can use that Apple. You yeah. know, they gotta get figure started. this out. Figure this out without invading my privacy, and you'll get two T-shirts. <laughs> and Sundar will get none. And I like Sundar. And I'll go over. I'll go to Mountain View and explain it to him. This is great. We they don't have this system. We don't have the T-shirts. Incentives aligned on all sides. You start perfect. building this. We'll start working on merch. It's perfect. Waltz, you're and on. that's the promise of of of, of control. Waltz elite. <laughs> that's the promise of. The people that stuck to the end of this podcast have heard the challenge and the promise. Exactly. Whatever you don't have, we'll make something we don't have to get you to make it. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's a great slogan. It's not long or complicated or confusing uh, at all. It's actually the slogan of all of tech history. That's true. It's great. Uh, all right. We got to wrap this one up. Uh, that was great, actually. It was super fun. Um, it is fun. But if you have not gotten enough, there's much more to listen to. There is VergeCast. Uh, on Thursdays, hosted by me. There is uh, Verge ESP, which I know Walt's a big fan of. With Emily oh, my Rose. God. I love it. It's super fun. I love it. Entertainment and science podcast from The Verge. Um, there is What's Tech with Chris Plant. That man is a podcasting maniac uh, and has just been cranking out cool episodes lately. I want to be him when I grow up. Yeah, he's good. He'll be. You should come to New York. I think he's going to be here this week. Um, anyway, uh, then... On the other side of the house, on the Recode side, uh, Lauren Good has Too Embarrassed to Ask, which is wonderful. Kara Swisher has Fantastic. Recode Decode. Uh, and Peter Kafka has uh, Recode Media. And if you happen to be a tech fan, uh, last week, John Gruber of Daring Fireball fame was on Recode Media talking about how his business works. So you should check that out. Uh, and that's it. We'll be back next week, I believe. Yep. We'll be back next week. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and you can tweet at me. I'm at Reckless, and you can tweet at Walt, at Walt Mossberg. We love your show intros. I am sure you're going to have many ideas about notifications, so we want to hear all those. And if you have T-shirt designs, it's a good time to start sending them in. So that is yeah, – get, get out your graphics program and do them and send them in. We have no budget. We have no approval. But, I mean, you heard us promise one way or the other to get the CEO to – <laughs> put down some money for this. Exactly. Uh, not only, and then we'll put him on the Neil Eli is going to have to lay off two Verge reporters, oh so pick your least two favorite <laughs> to pay for the merch. It's got real dark at the end. That's yeah, what you no, listen to I'm the kidding. end of Control Alt Delete for, is open threats <laughs> to other people. Not just promises and hope. No, 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 no. We're going to hire two more and do the merch. <laughs> that's probably true. All right, that's the show. Uh, take from it what you will. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week.